Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Facebook. Um, famous Navy SEAL announces detransitioning, interview with psychiatrist Dr. Miriam Grossman, real-life transition horror, and role-modeling perversion high office Sam Brinton. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello and welcome again to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie George Addis. We're going to focus our entire show today on the transgender issue. The uh, I've referred to it in the show sometimes as a pandemic of trans transgendering. We're going to really dive deep into this topic today, and I'm thrilled to tell you that we have a wonderful guest joining us in the next segment, a psychiatrist. She has joined us via Skype, a psychiatrist, Dr. Miriam Grossman, who has been active speaking out on many related issues, including on the uh, transgendering, especially of younger children, um, for, decade, for over a decade. So we're going to enjoy talking to her in a moment. I want to just plant the seed in this first five with three stories. One is a story is just coming out now about a Navy SEAL, and you may remember this back in 2013, this Navy SEAL, whose name was Chris Beck, Navy SEAL, announced he was transitioning to becoming a woman. And he was, you know, all sorts of fanfare, CNN had him on, you know, just so excited to announce this, this Navy SEAL was uh, transitioning. He also was a subject of a book um, by a, um, a psychologist named Ann Speckard. And in the book, you know, she's describing, just, just glorifying transgendering. And over the weekend, this same Navy SEAL announced that he is detransitioning. And there, I don't know all the details of his story, but I, I wanted to share that in the first five to make this point. You know, in this show, we love the military, we praise the military, and we're very grateful for people like Navy SEALs. Consider the training that Navy SEALs undergo. Physical training, extraordinary strength training, uh, ability to withstand, pre withstand pressure and torture. They, they have a mental fit, an enormous mental fitness component to being a Navy SEAL. You have to be tough. You have to be strong. And yet, what he is saying now in this interview, where he's going to be talking, where he's talking about uh, deciding to detransition, was that he was duped, tricked, and lured. Duped tricked and lured into deciding to transgender himself back in 2013. Partially blames a psychologist, Ann Speckard, uh, says she manipulated him into becoming transgender. Um, he talked about him having been propagandized, used badly by a lot of people. And I want to raise this, this point about this Navy SEAL to say, if a guy who's strong enough to survive Navy SEAL training, the physical and mental training and actually to serve as a Navy SEAL, including SEAL Team 6, the famed SEAL Team 6, cannot withstand the pressure, the societal pressure from all sorts of sources and falls prey into believing he's, and he, he's saying in the interview, I was never a transgender. I never was this. He's denouncing all of it. Think what the pressure is like for young children elementary, a kindergarten in some places, elementary, junior high school, high school, college, the pressure when maybe you're going through a phase in life where things are a little bit challenging, you're not sure about the changes in your body, you don't like yourself as much as you wish you did, you don't think you're as attractive, whatever the reasons are, you may have some low self-esteem issues. How likely are these young people to fall prey to this transgendering agenda given that this guy, Chris Beck, did back in 2013 when he had Navy SEAL training. Number two story, very quickly, in Fort, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, there was to be a protest by parents uh, in the public schools, parents of public school kids, and they were doing a protest essentially outside a public school, a public school in Fort Lauderdale, to make the point, stop pushing transgenderism, stop over-sexualizing children. Three different really uh, disparate groups of people put the, the protest together to basically say we want the schools to stop focusing on sexuality with small children and transgendering. And the reason I raise this story is that the 
protests that these parents had planned, peaceful protests to make their point, stop sexualizing our children, Antifa showed up. Antifa, you know, the, the radical leftist, and as we've talked about on this show, funded by Communist Party China, CCP, Antifa showed up to protest against these parents because they wanted to protest about not having uh, the sexualization of small children in public school, which makes the point sexuality and all this transgendering issue is not just a psychological issue, not just a psychiatric issue, not just a health issue. It's a political issue. The left loves to glorify the transgendering of children and anyone. They love to glorify any degree of sexual abnormality, perversion, non-binary, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The left glorifies it, which will tie into a point I'm going to make in the last segment. But keep in mind, Antifa showed up to protest in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, and the last point, I just want to very quickly read in their first five. I found this little piece on the uh, website for uh, the, our guest today, uh, excuse me, uh, for on the um, Twitter page of our guest today, Dr. Miriam Grossman. Again, she's a psychiatrist um, and she posted something a young girl had written. And I want to read this to you. It's a little bit long to read. I may cut it short, but I want you to hear the heart of this young girl, a 17-year-old girl. I'm a 17-year-old girl with a flat chest, a deep voice, a visible Adam's apple, and some facial hair. There's no reason for me to continue to live. I destroyed my life, and I feel like all hope I have is stupid for me to have. I don't think any person will ever want to date me. Before all this, people were into me, but I destroyed that. Now no one is ever going to like me. There's nothing I can really do without getting reminded of my past and how much I miss it. I feel ashamed of what I did. I'm scared people will never let me do decisions on my own anymore. I was just a kid. And I would have needed someone to help me accept myself. But my therapist didn't question my transness. She puts quotes around transness. I can't stop thinking about the life I could have had. I also think other people would now believe that they are something better than me. I love my mom. She is an amazing mom. She stopped me the first time from transitioning, but the second time <clears throat> she was also brainwashed and sadly thought that when all these professionals say it's the right thing to let your kid transition, then it must be the right thing. She thinks it's all her fault, but it isn't. I want to kill myself, but then she will feel even more miserable. How can I kill myself and let her know that I want her to be happy? I'm 17. Why do I have to think about ending my life? It's too much for me to handle. There's no joy in my life anymore. So those three stories, I'll wrap up the first five by saying I wanted to set the table today for the conversation we're about to have with psychiatrist Dr. Miriam Grossman, as I said, an absolutely involved in this issue for decades expert and someone I think we all need to be listening to as we try to unpack what in the world is happening in America with our seemingly unconditional acceptance of transgenderism and the, the skyrocketing numbers of children being attracted to it and the stories, of course, like ones I just read of people realizing later, I really wish I hadn't done this. So to unpack it all, we'll be welcoming, welcoming in just a moment Dr. Miriam Grossman. But for now, my very fine friends, that is today's first five. So welcome to the show, Dr. Grossman. She's going to join us in just a moment on screen. I'll quickly tell you about her. She's a child psychiatrist and an author. Um, she is a, a U.S.-based, board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist. She writes and speaks internationally to parents, students, educators, legislators, and health professionals internationally on the dangers of political correctness in her profession of psychiatry. She lectured at the UN Commission on the Status of Women and in Britain's House of Lords. Her mission is to highlight the dangers of the anything goes condom-based approach to sexual health. With examples from cutting edge research, she proves that sex is a serious matter, can never be casual, especially for girls. She also reports in her examination of New Zealand-based educational resources and websites hosted by groups such as Family Planning, Rainbow Youth, and others. She has written two books, and I want to tell you that one, uh, in fact, I sent these pictures. You have, yeah, there, Mr. Emilio, always on duty, has a picture of them. The first one is called You're Teaching My Child What? 
A physician exposes the lies of sex education and how they harm your child. That's a 2009 book you can get. I downloaded it on my Kindle today. I don't know if you can, that's what I did today. You can get it on Amazon. The other one is called Unprotected. A campus psychiatrist reveals how political correctness in her profession endangers every student. And that's a 2007 book. So with that introduction, let's welcome to the show, Dr. Miriam Grossman. Hi, Dr. Grossman. Hi, Debbie. Thanks for having me. So, that, so glad you're joining me. We're going to hit the volume in there. Okay, thank you. Um, so first of all, just welcome to the show. I, I know you have been um, extremely active in speaking up on many, many issues uh, related to um, this, this transgender. I've been calling it the transgender craze. You may have another word, the pandemic of transgenderism. But let me just start back to your books. What caused you to write back in 2007 a campus psychiatrist reveals how political correctness in her profession endangers students. What were you writing about? Well, that book, um, my first book came about when I realized how much politics had uh, invaded and taken over my profession of psychiatry and, and really medicine <clears throat> and how dangerous it was, uh, the political correctness and how it was actually affecting my patients. Uh, I worked for a long time as a psychiatrist for students at UCLA, and I had uh, a very, very busy schedule. I saw thousands and thousands of patients throughout the years that I was there. And I realized after a number of years that many of the kids that were ending up in my office were there due to the decisions they had made about their sexual lives. They were hooking up, they had a sexually transmitted infection, they may have had one or more abortions, they were upset about their relationships. And when I looked at, at the sort of guidance that we were giving to these kids in my profession, it really alarmed me because it was guidance that promoted not sexual health, but sexual freedom. And so I wrote a book based on that. Uh, in every other field of medicine, we promote health. Okay, we talk to kids about the importance of exercise and eating right and, you know, getting enough sleep and avoiding tanning salons. There's a long list of things that we tell kids what to do and what not to do. And we have very high expectations that they can exercise self-discipline. But when it comes to their sexual lives, we are not doing that at all. We are um, encouraging exploration and, uh, you know, just, just basically, you know, have, having a good time as long as you use condoms. So, that is not a science-based, uh, forget about morality, this is not about morality. This, uh, you know, based on science and what we know about these infections and HIV, um, that is not a science-based message to be giving our kids. So I was alarmed. I had a lot of girls in my office with HPV and herpes and multiple abortions, and they were definitely their emotional health was affected by that. And uh, they were surprised to hear, for example, that women were more vulnerable than men to get a sexually transmitted infection because of their biology and their physiology. They hadn't learned about that. So that's what one of many examples. That is how I got into writing about and exposing the dangerous politics of my profession. And that is also the way that I discovered that gender was being taught to kids at a young age, uh, that kids were being told that there's such a thing as gender identity, which is completely separate from biology. So kids are being told back then, of course, now they are, everyone knows that, but this even happened many years ago in the 2000s and even in the 1990s that kids were being told that the way that you feel about yourself, whether you're male or female, a girl or a boy, that that is distinct and separate from your bodies. So this is a notion that is not based in science. It's a, um, 
it's a it, it's more a, a way of thinking it's a belief it's an article of faith even i believe because this whole gender ideology really resembles uh, a, a system of faith more than it does anything scientific uh, absolutely you know honestly i feel like we could have the whole hour right now just on the topics you just touched on in your first answer uh, i do want to get to, to transgender issue right now how it has captured the hearts and uh, and, and it is has captured academia and psychology and psychiatry it's just as a it is like it's kind of like joining the cool crowd almost you know to really be at least be good with transgenderism and not question it your point a moment ago about psychiatry and how you felt like they had the uh, field of psychiatry had not established or embraced uh, normal scientific methods in coming about to how they viewed things, but instead kind of observed, or um, these are my words, observe human behavior, uh, which which may have been involved uh, cultural pressure, sexual exploration, sexual, um, you know, whatever word you want to use, uh, freedom. And so instead of psychiatry bringing analysis to it, they just kind of confirmed, oh, that's what they're doing. Okay, well, that's normal. And, and instead of having uh, points you would make or helpful points like you're making, uh, I, I feel, I guess I got to let you in. Is that in the ballpark of accurate? Well, yeah, it's basically a celebration of sexual freedom instead of promoting sexual health because you can't have one, you can't have both. If you're going to have sexual freedom and experimentation and um, trying out all sorts of behaviors with many different people, well, then it's very likely that your sexual health is going to suffer. So you can't have it both ways. It's yeah. sort of like telling people, you know, just go and, you know, try out all kinds of diets and see what you like and see what works for you. And you can't really know what diet is going to be good for you until you've tried everything. We would never <laughs> give that sort of advice in medicine but that is the advice we're we're giving with sexual with sexuality yep okay your 2009 that was the one we were referring to a moment ago 2007 book it sounds like we touched on a lot of uh the points you were likely making in your 2009 book you're teaching my child what a gender ex a physician exposes the lies of sex education and how they harm your child the one point i want to hit about that you said a moment ago that teach, kids have been, been being taught now, and I didn't realize how long this had been until you just said it. They've been taught for at least since 1990s or early 2000s, the idea of gender identity being an actual construct, actual thing that is completely different from and separate from what your bodily anatomy tells you that you are. And so in your opinion as a psychiatrist, is there any validity to that concept that, that gender identity is a real thing different from what your body is? Well, like I said, you know, it's it's a belief. It's a it's a theory. It's a way of I mean, it, it's it's not something that can be looked at scientifically in terms of hard science, scientific method. You know, you, you can't study gender identity because it's something, it's a belief that people have. It's a feeling. It's not something you can identify, uh, you know, measure, uh, visualize, follow in any, any sort of scientific way. You can't study it in that way. So that's why I call it more a belief. Now, the person that uh, introduced this idea that identity, uh, that male and female identity is completely separate from biology was uh, a psychologist by the name of John Money. And it's very important for people that want to understand this clearly to go back and look at uh, his history, what he did. His theory was that, uh, you know, this was a time in the 50s and 60s when there was a debate of nature versus nature of uh, nurture. So uh, the culture was and, and the, uh, you know, the the scientific and and the soft sciences, everyone was looking at the question of what is more important? Is it the environment that someone is raised in or is it, uh, which is their nurture, the way that they're raised, the messages that they get from society and from their family, or is it nature? Is it uh, chromosomes? Is it something um, that's biological that determines a person's masculinity and femininity? So. John Money came along and he wanted to prove 
that it's na it's not nature at all. It's just nurture. It's the way people are raised and that society raises people with very rigid expectations of male and female. And uh, this is not a good idea, he said. And so he set out to prove that it was wrong. He set out to prove that it's that it, that biology has nothing to do with feeling like a male or a female. And he uh, he did an experiment on uh, these twin boys. I don't know if you've heard of this. It's a very well-known thing. You know, there's a book written about it called As Nature Made Him. And essentially, um, there were tw uh, identical twin boys, and one of them uh, went through a circumcision in which there was a problem with the machinery and his penis was burnt off. Um, the parents were, were frantic. They didn't know what to do. How are they going to raise this child who doesn't have a penis, who's a biological boy? They went to see Dr. Money. Dr. Money told them, don't worry, you can raise this child as a girl. You just need to, to all the nurture that you give him, all the nurturing, put him into a dress, give him dolls to play with, give him a girl's name and tell everyone that he's a girl and he will be just fine. He'll need some surgery, he'll need some hormones, but he'll do fine as a girl and then as a woman. Well, long story short, that the family did this with him and Dr. Money reported that this was a great success. So he was able to promote his theory as being valid, as being true. And his theory was, in fact, accepted by uh, huge swaths of the professional world, the psychological world, the medical world. And it was only decades later when one of the, tw David, the one who had been raised as a girl, came forward. He told his story. He said it had been a disaster. And he always knew he, he never felt okay as a girl. He felt very uncomfortable. He knew there was something wrong. He wanted to do boy things. He felt that he was a boy. Uh, he liked the boy toys. He liked rough and tumble play. The, the kids all made fun of him for how masculine he was. And it was a very tragic story because both the twins ended up uh, dying. One of them uh, died of an overdose. And then David, the one that was raised as a girl, he killed himself. Now. This story is very, very important to anyone that wants to understand where we are now in this country with gender ideology, because John Money was a uh, arrogant, uh, egotistical, uh, uh, depraved individual who exploited this family and destroyed this family all in the hopes that his theory would be uh, accepted and he would reach fame and fortune, which is what happened. So John Money would be very, very happy with where we are at right now. But the truth is for anyone that's really followed this, that his theory was proven to be incorrect. And that the medical field right now, there's no longer any debate about the importance of nature, the importance of biology, chromosomes and hormones. And we know that from before birth, there are very significant, massive differences between males and females from before birth. So gender ideology is based on a hoax and it is filled with falsehoods. And unfortunately, the public and most importantly, parents are not being told the truth. Dr. Grossman, that is, I mean, if we had to cut off in 30 seconds, you have just given a mountain of information. I did not know that story. I'm going to look this whole long story up and read about myself. Um, and it's astonishing that such a monumental failure of his uh, idea, this Dr. Bunny's idea, somehow birthed this gender identity, gender uh, transitioning movement, which is now just, it seems like it's sweeping America like a fad, like a craze. I do want to, I mean, this is a, easy question because you kind of answered it, but I did a little bit looking about the percentage of people who, um, who identify as either 
non-binary, like they're saying, I'm not a boy or girl, I'm something else, I'm non-binary, or I think I'm transgender, and obviously the numbers are skyrocketing. The, you know, the, um, this is just one little example um, of a study, but this was Pew Research, uh, released this in June of this year, um, saying essentially um, about among people younger than 30, 5% say they are trans or non-binary. This is just Pew Research, and I know there are other even numbers that, that are much higher. This Pew is relatively reputable, I think, um, but much higher talking about the large number of people who identify as either non-binary or transgender, and one of the arguments you hear when this kind of data is reported is people are saying, well, you know, obviously it's like the, the young people are responding to the advocacy, the uh, planning of the suggestion, the legitimizing and normalizing of transgenderism, and that's why the numbers are up. And others say, no, actually, this was probably always the case that we're just finally as a society being honest, being open, and admitting it. So this great rise in non-binary, transgender, uh, based on everything you just said, is not because we've always been there with that. It's because it has something to do with the degree of advocacy and pushing this agenda uh, in our culture and society. Is that accurate? Well, Debbie, I would say this. If... You know, if there truly was this rate of 5, 10, 20% of the population whose identity was incongruent with their biology, but in the past they felt um, uncomfortable coming out with that, um, they, they felt that they, you know, would be discriminated against or not accepted or what have you. And now we're at a time when, I mean, my goodness, there, you can hardly go anywhere without seeing some sort of uh, symbol or flag or emoji or, you know, something that expresses support for these individuals. You would expect that we would have masses and masses and also insurance company, uh, insurance coverage for these procedures. You would expect people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s coming out en masse and seeing just hordes and hordes of people come out and say, you know, I never wanted to admit this, but yeah, I'm also transgender and I want to change my body and I want the hormones and the surgery, but that is not happening. That is not happening. We're seeing these numbers in people, uh, in teenagers, and young adults. Absolutely, Kate. I'm going to quickly jump in and say for our radio listeners, thank you very much for listening on Bridie and Radio. You are going to go off to a break at the 30 minutes past the hour. Do not go away. I'll be right here talking with you after a three-minute break. I'll be right here. This is America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, and you can always find our all of our shows, past interviews, everything about this show, our blog posts, our very popular Why It Matters series at our website, americacanwetalk.org. So if you're on radio, do not go away during the commercial break. We'll be right here waiting for you to come back. Okay, so we're, and we're speaking now with Dr. Miriam Grossman, who is a psychiatrist in New York City. And, you know, I love, I mean, what you said already is just profoundly enlightening. And I really, I can't wait to share this interview and, and, and all the information you're sharing. But how could we, I mean, what drove, you were, you were talking about when you were working with uh, students at UCLA and you had many students in your office whose, you know, psychiatric issues or whatever they were presenting with um, were, were tied to their uh, advocacy or their indulging in this sexual freedom agenda. And we've been talking about the schools pushing transgenderism and pushing gender identity as a real thing. Who's doing this? Who's, who's deciding? I mean, I know Dr. John Money wrote the book you described, but you'd think with the utter failure it turned out to be with the lives of these two children involved, that you would have many people in your field saying, wait a minute, not just in psychiatry, but psychology and therapists and academia, you'd have people saying, wait a minute, what is pushing this agenda to keep, to keep it propped up as a real trend in America? Well, that's a great question. And I think about that all the time. I think that what's happened is that within the professional organizations, there have been 
small but very vocal and aggressive activists and that they have managed to foist uh, their beliefs and their agenda uh, on the majority. And unfortunately, there's a lack of courage. Uh, there's a lack of courage and, and people want to keep their jobs, you know. Um, I can tell you that at UCLA, after my book came out, um, I had been there a long time. I had made very excellent relationships with various people there, other therapists and doctors. Um, they trusted me, they liked me. Uh, I always got very good reviews. And then suddenly when my book came out and I was challenging some of the uh, narrative that was popular there, uh, suddenly I was being, uh, well, my life was uncomfortable. People were giving me the cold shoulder. Uh, people were extremely angry about what I had done, but did not want to discuss it. Um, and then there were those who came into my office, a few people, and said in a quiet tone with the door closed, I really agree with you, but don't tell anybody that I said so. So you see, it's, uh, it's, it's a very difficult situation. People are afraid to stand up. Uh, some, a lot of people do email me, uh, therapists, psychiatrists, social workers, uh, teachers, guidance counselors, and they say, you know, I am so 100% behind what you're saying about gender ideology. Uh, I simply, I can't talk about it at work. I need my job. Where else am I going to work? Uh, and I, and I will, I, I can tell you, Debbie, that, uh, it is difficult. I've experienced this myself. It is difficult to to find a job when uh, you know you've you've been vocal about this kind of thing and objected and and uh, talked about the kind of stuff that I've been speaking with you about today. Uh, a lot of people uh, will just dismiss you, call you names, transphobic. Um, and all that sort of thing. And uh, it can be difficult to find employment. Absolutely believe that. It's an amazing thing actually, because what you're describing occurs uh, in the in other arenas of life in America, uh, you have people who are, and I'm not asking you for your commentary or opinions about climate change or CRT, but all the issues where there has been become a trend where you must believe in the danger of climate change or you must believe in the CRT agenda, the critical race theory, and you must believe that America is systemically racist. Whatever the uh, narrative has been set, frankly, by the left, Many people in, in those various industries, I've, I've had, of, of all of the ones I just mentioned, I get people saying that, well, you're, you're not really, you can't hold on to your job if you say that. You can't hold on to your job if you challenge that. And so it's really, it's a very, very um, alarming thing because in this case, I want to turn to you, and I was talking about the harm being done to kids. You talked about the, you know, that gender ideology is a belief. And, you know, young people, I mentioned in my first five, Many, everyone knows this who's a grown-up. You recall, you know, the years of, I don't know, end of elementary into junior high, even high school, there are years of awkwardness and, and perhaps not comfort in your body and who you are and whether people like you, whether, whether you're, you know, you're attractive. And so the um, presentation of this, of this issue as, oh, it, it's probably because you are transgender. Oh, you know, this is your entire problem. Is, isn't that, isn't the presentation of gender uh, transition uh, information, doesn't it cross the line to advocacy and, and, in your view? And also, doesn't that end up getting a lot of young people on board where maybe in the past you would have, if a girl happened to be kind of masculine or a boy happened to be kind of feminine, you'd work with them and 
encourage them to accept themselves and who they are and not everyone has to be alike but this is kind of an easy fix being presented to children who are struggling is, do you think that's accurate well of course of course that's accurate i mean it's 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 reached such an absurd point you know that um you know a, a girl with with it's all based on stereotypes i mean you know i i thought those stereotypes were dead we we were we heard for so for so much long you know I mean, at my age, I remember, you know, very well, you know, like stereotypes are not valid. Stereotypes are not good things. We're fighting the stereotypes, right? Well, now we've done a 180. Gender ideology is based on stereotypes. So girls are being told, hey, you know, you don't like, you don't like dresses and you're not into fashion and you're not into makeup and you'd rather be like outside playing basketball or you know you're into science and oh you know maybe you're transgender it's just horrible it's ridiculous i don't mean to be laughing because really this ends in in tragedy for so many people it ends in shattered lives and shattered families but yes of course it's absurd it sure is i i found an article and you know i actually realized i'm going over the time i said that i asked you to commit do you have five more minutes or not Sure. You do? <laughs> okay. I saw that the NHS, this is in England, um, the NHS and National Health Service ended what they have been calling gender affirmative care model. They have been treating when any child or person presented as allegedly transgender, the model they were telling the National Health Service to use was gender affirming. If that's what they say they are, then all you're doing your treatment is helping to affirm that and help along the way. They're now saying in England, that was a mistake, bad idea, and they're withdrawing that. So are we anywhere in America along the path trying to get any field of medicine, psychiatry or general medical practice or psychology to pull away from this gender? And we're kind of in that model here. We're gender affirming in America. Is there any effort being made to end this as the model, this gender affirming model as a way to treat gender transition? So Debbie, also not only uh, not only Britain, but also Finland and Sweden uh, have gone in that direction also. And uh, for kids in those countries, minor kids who want to pursue medical treatment, uh, they either can't, can't, you know, it's not available to them, or they would have to enter into a very um, structured, controlled uh, clinical trial where they would be watched very closely and evaluated very closely, them and their families. So you are correct that uh, Britain and uh, Finland, Sweden, and there are other countries that are going in that direction as well. Um, we're not, no, here we are full steam ahead with gender affirming care to the point that uh, our Department of Health and Human Services and uh, our president came out not long ago over the summer uh, and declared that gender affirming care is uh, one of the most crucial things that parents can provide to their uh, to their children uh, and that uh, you know any of the the states that are making it uh, difficult to or impossible to uh, get those sort of medical treatments for kids, that those states are being discriminatory and what they're doing is wrong and dangerous and so on and so forth, which is really the, what those states are doing, such as Florida and other states, are is really very similar to what Britain and, and Finland and the UK have done. So to answer your question, we are not going in that direction right now, but maybe I do hope that my upcoming book will have an impact on that and uh i hope that now's a good time to announce announce that that's exactly my last question say thank you for staying longer than we said i know you have a new book coming out please tell us about it yeah uh my book is called lost in transnation a child psychiatrist a child psychiatrist guide out of the madness so I do truly hope that this information in this book is going to reach every parent 
because no family is immune to transgenderism. No matter who you are and where you live, it can hit your home like a nuclear bomb. So you need to be prepared for it and know how to protect your family. Dr. Grossman, as you know from our emails before we got together today, I would love to have you join us again on America Can We Talk when your book is out to really share, broadcast the book, just let the world know about it. I, I, I really want to commend your bravery too because as with people who speak up and against the narrative on many issues, uh, I know it's you, you weather a few uh, slings and arrows. So I thank you for your bravery and for speaking up and for your, uh, just the brilliance you bring to the topic. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Debbie. Great to have you. Okay, my friends, I'm gonna do the quickest segment right here. Um, I called it Real Life Transition Horror. Uh, and you know what? We've heard enough there from just the interview with Dr. Grossman that I don't wanna spend a ton of time on this, but I do wanna urge you because I think, you know, when you hear an expert like that talk, you can quote her, you can refer people to her, but you know, it's hard to get people who feel like Everyone knows the trendy thing to do, the right thing to say is, oh yes, transgenderism, big problem. The only thing we should do is gender affirming care. That's the only path to take. And, and you know, you can't say, who are you to say they're not a girl, not a boy? I mean, the absurdity is just, is beyond words. And so um, I wanna urge you, number one, there's a wonderful website, Independent Women's Forum, which is their website's iwf.org, iwf.org um, has a great website and they are, um, putting stories out there all the time. I mean, actual stories, young people who've gone through gender transition and are, are just sobbing or speaking articulately, but trying to tell you that this lunatic theory has ruined my life. I'm trying to become normal again, but there are, I mean, the damage to human beings is incomprehensible. I'm gonna leave aside the stories. This, I was gonna tell you one more story about it, but I think you've gotten the, the uh, point. I also wanna share with you something I learned that's, that is so typical and so astonishing. So the um, identifying of young people as transgender, you know, the schools are kind of, they're, they're like, they think they're the, um, the most informed and elite because they really watch for it. They know it's signs and they can take the child aside. Hey, you know, you kind of seem like you like baseball. You're probably a boy. Anyway, they particularly target in the view of one parent who is a parent of a, a highly perf a high performing autistic child talking about how the gender, just ge the gender transition, you know, uh, demons in the public schools um, target those kids. And there's a higher percentage of kids uh, in the alleged transgender population who are, who are autistic than there should be. I think I left this linked on our website, not sure, but it was um, a, a mom trying to talk about what's occurring with her own child. But, you know, they target the vulnerable, they target the um, unaware, they target the people who, you know, have a little bit of hard time that, that year in their life and lots of people's adults can look back and think my gosh how did i ever get through medical middle middle school or high school or sixth grade whatever it is and it's and so to have someone say to a troubled child hey you know we're going to help you because there are a lot of kids go through these things you know and and help you stay on the path consistent with reality which is your body consistent with your body consistent with reality we're going to help you and you know it's okay to be a guy who likes dance it's okay to be a girl who likes basketball you know you don't have to fit the stereotype as dr grossman was saying we had ways of working with people and 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 loving them and and helping them begin to love themselves but now this transgender lunacy that has invaded our society it is every step amiss by some child everything out of the seam the alleged ordinary is somehow a step of you know very very obviously assigned as transgenderism and the idea they target autistic children who really may not be as strong in a position as they would like to be uh to articulate their feelings and thinking and how they feel what's going on those people being targeted uh totally believable totally outrageous okay i have a um, clip I was going to play it during the interview, uh, but I didn't. Uh, I really didn't want to interrupt. Uh, this clip is of a um, the film that Matt Walsh has made. It's just a short trailer of the film that Matt Walsh has made. It's called "What Is a Woman?" And I want to have uh, at this time quick play that clip because this this topic. I'm going to tell you in the last segment why this 
is so important for everyone. But this clip really captures a lot of the arguments that the defenders of the transition craze are making. So let's quick play that clip. What is a woman? Can you tell me that? <laughs> well, you're at the Women's March. You must have some idea. Please, if, if one person could tell me what a woman is. You are not here for women. We ask you to leave. What is that? I'm a husband. I'm a father of four. I host a talk show. I give speeches. I write books. I like to make sense of things. A woman is not anything in particular. There is not one particular thing. It could be many things to many people. Some women have penises, right? Some men have vaginas. I like scented candles, and I've watched Sex and the City. Yeah. How do I know if, if I'm a woman? That's a great question. You're not a scientist. You're not a gender studies major. No. How do you know that you're a man? I guess because I got a dick. Can a man become a woman? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a woman, so I, I can't really answer that. Women only know what women are. Are you a uh, cat? No. Can you tell me what a cat is? <laughs> you want to tell us what a woman is? I love that one. I'm a biological woman that medically transitioned to appear like a male. I will never be a man. And so they go on the internet and they're told that all their problems will be solved if they become a man. So you worry that there there could be a sort of social contagion element of this? A teeny tiny bit. Okay, we gotta cut it off. It I'm not sure any more things. Um, honestly, that's the clip. You can actually see it at the, um, or if you just look up Matt Walsh, What is a Woman, you can watch that film. I think you have, that trailer is a free trailer from his website. I think you can I think I have to be a member to watch the whole film. But it's a really uh, pressing topic. It's a great transition to my last uh, segment for today. Um, I call this segment Role Modeling Perversion High Office Sam Brinton. And I want, before I get into the specifics of that, I want to make this point about why I'm doing this topic. You know, I, on this show, I have military experts, I have uh, national security, border experts, I talk about tax policy, talk about all sorts of, you know, climate change, uh, the non-existent, uh, you know, climate alarmism that is subsumed under climate change. I talk about COVID policy, I talk about election integrity, I talk about all sorts of issues, and the litmus test for me is always, you know, on topics I choose to cover on my show, whether it will affect America's future. I, I dedicate the show to saving America. I don't discuss, you know, fashion. I don't really make fun of people's appearance, clothing, anything. I don't really want to talk about other topics, even sports. I want to talk about saving America. So I pick topics that tie into saving America. This particular topic, I want to remind you of um, uh, this particular topic that we're on today of transgenderism. Uh, it is very easy for, I, I sent myself something I wanted to try to read to you, um, if I can do it quickly. Um, maybe I can't. But anyway, um, I can't get too quickly. But, you know, there was a, um, we talked in the show many times before that right after World War II, uh, the Communist Party of the United States of America, CPUSA, uh, kind of laid out their plan. How are we going to take America down? They knew after America's tremendous military victories, World War II, World War I, that they weren't. The communist ideology was not going to take down America via military power. But they did identify at that time their 45 goals to taking down America. And they basically saying it'll get us to the right same place anyway. Forget about military invasion. We'll just take America down ideologically. Among the points in that Communist Party platform, which was thankfully read into the congressional record, so you can read it, I can read it, in case anyone says, well, that didn't really happen. The communists don't really think that. You have to understand, just as I would say about leftism, and, and just the radical left and communism, they are patient. Just like radical Islam, they are patient. They will, they, they know their goal, they pursue their goal over decades and decades and even centuries. And they identify the goal, which is in the case we're talking about right now, Communist Party, United States of America, CPUSA, taking down America, they can write those goals out, a result of their thinking, their analysis. They're, you know, they are, they are communists. They want to make America become communist. So they write down what they want to do, what it's going to take to get America there. Well, among the points they make, and I read this again this morning, getting ready for the show, um, or yesterday, getting ready for the show, they identify things like eliminate the role of parents. 
make, get parents out of the picture, get kids directly controlled by the schools. Eliminate the role of parents. Eliminate the role of the church. Turn churches into what sadly many of them are now, which are social justice manufacturing, you know, non-tethered in the gospels, non-tethered in the truth of Christianity and the truth of Judaism. Instead, they are tethered to the social justice agenda. The, the manipulation of the American church is part of the Communist Party's agenda because church no longer stands where the ideas are founded in America, ideas America's founding is rooted in the Judeo-Christian ideas. And the Communist thinking, how do we take this country down? Yeah, it's this way. It is, you know, we're going to make, they're going to stop believing the church, stop believing in God, have churches become a place where you get a social justice warrior badge, you know, if you feed the homeless or something, uh, destroy the role of parents, essentially take God out of America. That is where the Communist Party is headed. It's one of the, their primal points, one of their primary goals is to get Americans rooted, pulled away from our roots in Judeo-Christian values and in belief in God. And flowing from the belief in God is the idea that each of us have a God-given identity. We have a God-given identity, which is manifest, you know, humanly in the female body and the male body, but it's, it's bigger than that. It's a God-given identity and play and uniqueness and place and purpose for being here. And what I'm describing, this is not just, you know, one tiny little church's thought about the nature of God and life. It's, it's primary, it's basic Christianity through the ages, through the centuries, through the millennia, basic Christianity, that life comes from God. And that because life comes from God, your identity comes from God and your very being comes from God. And so it, it, what that whole, that, what that belief structure does, it makes you believe in that you have a God-given purpose, place, and identity. And therefore, if you're struggling because you are a kind of more fem a feminine guy or a little bit masculine woman or whatever it is, you still have a place and identity and you can get, and your parents and your church and your community and your schools used to, you know, get you, help you feel good about yourself and who you are. What the transgenderism movement is doing is treating every single person as a, as a carbon unit or as, you know, the doctor, the evil, Dr. Evil Harari uh, says, we are just, humans are just injectable units. We're just, we're, we're just, we're not God-given identity and God-given, you know, strength and identity and purpose and, and who we are. We're just injectable units that can be controlled. Most of us, in Dr. Harari's view, this is the top advisor to the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab. Most of them are pretty useless in his view. The, the average human is pretty useless to Dr. Harari. His view of them, they're just kind of extra people who have to be adequately fed and clothed and housed and tamped down as peasants, but they don't have any God-given right to thrive, dream, and achieve. So back what transgenderism is doing is convincing people that you don't have any, you don't have to deal with your, who you are. You can just, we can just flip a switch. We can just inject some hormones and we can remove some body parts and add some other body parts and add some more hormones and other treatments. And we can magically make you anything you want to be. It is a strike, it's a you know, stake to the heart that transgenderism movement is a stake to the heart of the idea of God-given identity. That's what it is. And it is pushed by, I mentioned Antifa at the beginning of, the, of this um, show today, Antifa, who just, why would they possibly care if parents in Florida are trying to get the school to stop sexualizing their children? They care. They care because those parents want to protect. They want to be the parents of their own kids. They want to teach their own children about gender and what they believe about their own bodies and themselves. They want to teach them about their identity as, as child, a child of God. They want the schools to stick to reading, writing, arithmetic. And they want the schools to stay out of this invasion into the very identity, the very I, the ideology or the, uh, the very concept of identity. And Antifa, being communist-funded, left-wing, they hate that idea that parents are asserting their role. So this attack, this attack on identity, this transgender attack, is very much, very much part of defending America. If we don't have young people in this country, if we don't have people 
all, all over this country recognizing their unique identity and their, their right to live a life of purpose and meaning in America. And they can be lured away by a kindergarten teacher urging you to pick your gender today. You can be anything you want. They get confused. If the Navy SEAL I talked about in the beginning can get confused, any child can get confused. Any person can. They are confused into thinking I'm not really what my body says I am. I'm going to tell you one last thing about this, and I'm out of time for today. But my final topic, I, I called it role modeling perversion. So Joe Biden, radical leftist as he is, um, I named as a, a person named Sam, used to be a guy, is a guy, I don't know, Samuel Brinton. And he is actually, he works for the department. He is a deputy, oh my God, the guy works for the DOE. He's a deputy assistant secretary of spent fuel and waste disposition in the Biden administration. I have some quick pictures of him. This is a guy, Samuel Britton, Brinton. This is how he, okay, this is a male who's all proud of himself. He's now the Deputy Assistant Secretary for Spent Fuel and Waste Disposition in the Office of the Nuclear Energy and the DOE. DOE guy, next picture up. Uh, here he is. He teaches, uh, he teaches courses in spanking, in kink. He's, he defines himself as non-binary, mostly dressed as a woman. And, and, and I mean, the, the stuff he has done online would make you scream and cry and come back to me right now. All I want to say about that is this. This is criminally irresponsible and cruel of the Biden administration to parade that man pretending to be a woman on the national stage. He's part of luring young children into believing the idea that gender ideology is real, that non-binary is a real thing, that they can be anything they want to be. Just look at him. He's a big official in DOE. It, it is criminal and it is intentional on the part of the Biden administration to put a, a non-binary, I mean, I'm not angry with the guy. He, he needs, he's obviously mentally ill. He needs help. He's bizarre. I mean, the stuff you could listen to, he's done, I wouldn't even say it on radio. I mean, on, on this show, he, he's truly, uh, you know, mentally ill. And yet he's chosen by the Biden administration, public, uh, all the time out in public. And the, I want you to think then back to the Navy SEAL I talked about in the beginning of the show, who got lured into transitioning himself. And the scores of stories you can read, hundreds, thousands of stories you can read about people later very upset about their transitioning and you have a guy parading at biden's invitation parading on the national stage non-binary kink man giving uh you know giving seminars on spanking and other extremely grotesque things this is the left this is the left pushing their radical anti-god anti-american anti-sanity agenda so it ties directly to saving America, exposing this and trying to end it. I close every show by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started the show talking about our, this uh, famous Navy SEAL guy. Um, and I'm just, um, I, I realize I feel terrible about this guy. Um, but anyway, this Navy SEAL guy and um, Navy SEAL Chris Beck's uh, detransitions from attempting to be a woman, which he never was, uh, now um, demands a stop to any and all transitioning of children. He's trying to warn people. Trans ideology has been sweeping the USA and the globe, seems akin to the mesmerism and mass psychosis of COVID fear, as illustrated especially when a super masculine Navy SEAL succumbs. At the core, the trans movement is about demoralization of America, removing God from any discussion of identity, reducing the human body to a soulless machine with exchangeable parts, dismantling the nuclear family, removing children from parents, which happens if parents won't go along with this. If a child is not granted the wish at any age to be a different gender than the gender of birth, ridding the world of the idea that morality is divinely defined, divinely defined through biblical teaching. Trans is one of many battles raging over the existence and understanding of truth. And a real-life transition horror, a mentally ill teen, I didn't get to her whole story, but she feels betrayed by health professionals who recommended testosterone and top surgery, um, and hospitals and many medical professionals have embraced legitimized transitioning, expensive surgery and treatment, a moneymaker, which is one reason this continues in our country, Horrendous outcomes, devastating mental, emotional, and physical injuries are being suppressed and censored. This is the culture of godlessness. 
transitioning to a view of the human body as no different than a computer-like machine, injecting programmable circuitry into the body to monitor and control it, tinkering with human identity as if it were a playground toy. History is filled with recurring attempts of men and women to play God. Nothing good ever comes from it. And role modeling perversion of high office and Sam Brinton. Leftist Biden put Brinton into public government job, charged with responsibility for nuclear waste disposal. He's non-binary, cross-dressing, multiple pronouns among his claims to his individuality. Teaches seminars on spanking and kink and recently arrested for stealing luggage at an airport. This is public promotion of gender confusion as normal and legitimate. Normalizing gender confusion lures some young people down the path to considering harming themselves via transgendering and interferes with families and faith. Remember the 45 goals of communism in the United States, in America? They include destroying the nuclear family and the place of faith and churches and ultimately pushing the godless communist agenda. In Biden, Obama's fundamental transformation, Brinton is a new role model. Celebrating gender confusion directly confronts family unity and parental rights and pushes God and faith to the side. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. I want to quickly tease for you Thursday's show. This coming Thursday, we have Dr. Richard Bartlett coming into Dallas in studio, uh, one of the premier doctors in the country, speaking about the future of healthcare freedom. Where do we go after the government has taken away healthcare freedom under COVID? And he will be in studio. You do not want to miss the show on Thursday, this coming Thursday, Dr. Richard Bartlett. And now... I will wrap up by saying I do this show, America Can We Talk, to speak truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America?